before we get started on today, I just wanted to remind you to please leave a rating and review on the podcast app or the iTunes app if you are using an iPhone. It really helps spread the word and it helps other people find this podcast a lot easier the more good ratings and reviews we have. So if you're a fan, please, please, please take a minute and just do that. It would be so helpful. Thank you. Hi, I'm Shelby Schlang-Berrigan, and this is Living Over Losing, unfiltered and unrestrained. Hi, and welcome back to Living Over Losing. This is Shelby, and I am so excited to have Dee, also known as Deanna Staten, on the show today. Um, She is an ED warrior, an advocate of holistic recovery, and also a yoga and fitness instructor and world traveler that is currently in... Colorado. So I'm really excited to talk to you, Dee. Um, I'm really excited that we connected. And yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. So I kind of want to, I kind of like to start off the show by introducing you and having you tell us a little bit about your story, um, whether that be all the way back from childhood to, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you feel comfortable or want to share and kind of just let us know how you got to this place that you are in today, um, with everything that you're doing today. Yeah, of course. Um, so I started my Instagram and it is at recover Yogi D. Um, I started it because I am in eating disorder recovery and I feel like eating disorder recovery is a lifelong process. So even though I've been good for a while, it's still, you know, it's still something I'm going to battle with for the rest of my life. And at this point, I don't feel like I'm battling it. Um, but I wanted to create a platform to kind of help others that are going through that dark place because I definitely struggled a lot with an eating disorder, um, different forms of an eating disorder. But I guess you could say it's, it started from childhood. Like I have memories of waking up in the middle of the night and storing jelly beans in my bed, like under my mattress and, you know, binge eating jelly beans at night. Um, And I was probably eight years old and I didn't even know why I was doing it, but I just was, you know, I would take candy from friends without asking. And I've just always felt like I had that sugar addiction. Um, So it started from a really young age, but I think what propelled it was me being a competitive athlete. So when I was in third grade, I started playing tennis and I got this scholarship to a local court club. So I started playing year round and I showed some promise. So I got some lessons from a pretty prestigious coach in the area and it kind of snowballed and I actually became a competitive athlete. I was playing, you know, five, six, seven days a week and playing after school, playing tournaments on the weekends, doing national tournaments. And so my life from from third grade was just tennis. That's all I knew. I, I created an, an identity for myself. And it was just that fit, awesome, you know, lively tennis player who was so focused on her sport. Um, and she was, she was healthy. She was active. She was just kind of like the all-American girl. Um, and so I was that persona for a long time. And throughout that time, I never really struggled with an eating disorder because I was so active and because I was so focused on my sport. Um, but once I actually turned 16, maybe around 15 or 16, 
I decided that my sport wasn't for me and I didn't want to pursue it in college. And at that point, after I quit my sport, it's like I kind of lost my identity. You know, everything I knew about myself was gone. I was no longer the athlete. I was no longer that fit girl. I was no longer the girl that was winning matches and getting that external gratification. Um, so after I quit my sport and I felt like I let everybody down, I lost my identity. And that's when I started my eating disorder to kind of distract myself from how awful I was feeling. Um, it started out with binge eating disorder. So at that time, it was it was mostly binging and rapid weight gain. Um, and then throughout the years, it kind of transformed into pretty much every eating disorder you can imagine. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to that too. Um, I feel like that's very common when we give ourselves these identities and when we don't have those identities or the identities change, it's really hard to know what to do with that. And, you know, and I think it's subconscious too. Like, I don't think most of the time, I don't feel like we wake up and we're like, okay, I'm going to have an eating disorder now. It's just like, it happens totally. like so much stress and just, I don't know, because I can relate to that too. When I went to college, that's really where it got bad for me, um, just because I think I was so confused about what I was doing with my life that, yes, it was something of control, but it was also, I think I wanted that like identity, like you're saying, the fit, healthy girl, which is also... And I actually read a post that you posted about this, which is so important and interesting is that a lot of times the people with eating disorders might not fit the bill of what they're supposed to look like, you know, according to, according to what society thinks it looks like. And it can actually be, people can actually praise you for the way that you look. Like I know you wrote a post about people being like, oh, you have great abs. And that used to happen to me too. I mean, I always got compliments and that just fueled the fire and kept me going and of course nobody means to say it in, in a bad way or fuel anything but that's how scary it is because people don't know it's not you can't really look at someone and and be able to tell right away right exactly yeah for me when I was in college I took on that identity so much that I decided to pursue dietetics as a major so I was just studying nutrition. <laughs> yeah, really? Yes. Yeah, so I, I studied dietetics and I made it into my third year. And then that third year of college, my junior year, I actually went to a treatment center for three months for my eating disorder. And while I was at that treatment center, I kind of delved into the reasons why I was studying dietetics. And it wasn't so much because I wanted to help people with their food issues. It was because I wanted to fixate on mine. I was so obsessed with food and I wanted to know everything about food, every single micronutrient, like what does it do for your body? Like I was just completely obsessed. Um, and so at that point I decided that I can't pursue dietetics anymore because, you know, I can't be a dietitian struggling with an eating disorder and like trying to help people. Like I need, I need to do this for the right reasons. So I changed my major to biology and now I'm working in environmental education. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I think that's so, so common too, is like, because I know that happened to me and I know some other people that it happened to. And it's like, okay, I'm so obsessed with quote unquote nutrition, AKA just obsessed with food and eating food and not eating food. And it's like, so I'm just going to make that my life 
work. And so that's what I did. I mean, I went to school for nutrition too, and I never even used, I got the degree, but I haven't used it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so common. And now I'm starting to see like some people that might have graduated with it and become, became dietitians are now starting to like incorporate health at every size and stuff like that into their practices. Um, so it's not like the standard, you know, BMI, let's weigh you. But yeah, that's what I did. I mean, that was hard. And that's so hard for people too, because it's so confusing. I think like, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think that schooling in that area is so confusing because like I said, you're literally, I remember for us, like our labs were measuring our BMIs and writing down what we ate and you know, maybe if our BMI was too high, maybe we had to write down like ways we could change our diets to make them better. And that is scary. <laughs> yeah. But for the disordered person, that's like crack, you know, that's like awesome. You know, I want to just think about food all day, every day. Um, it's like fueling the addiction. So, and I, I work alongside dietitians, well, people in my class who are now dietitians, who also had disordered patterns, but even I didn't realize it at the same time because I had disordered patterns as well. Like I can remember there was a lab and this girl was eating a snack and she was counting her almonds. Like she was like separating them on the table, like one, two, three, four, five. And then she would separate them into little piles. And I was just like, like it wasn't weird to me at the time, but looking back on it, it's like, that's not normal eating like to obsessively count your almonds and separate them they she was separating them based on size and you know it's just like there's other things in life there's so many more things in life to focus on than you know counting what goes into your body like just grabbing a handful of almonds now I can do and it just feels so freeing to not be able to stress about the calories in them or you know how much fat I'm getting it's just it's just almonds it does. It does feel freeing. And it sounds like something that's so simple to people that haven't struggled with it, but it is so freeing. For me, I used to like bring food with me everywhere I went. I was obsessed with always having food. Like I was terrified of, for some reason, not having food. So I always brought it with me. And now to be able to go places without worrying about that is honestly the best feeling. And that sounds so simple, but it really is. So I definitely understand what you mean with that. And as far as the girl in class, I can definitely relate to that too with people in my class. And also there were, my eating disorder kind of went on and off throughout college. It was really, really bad in the beginning Then it kind of, I was okay. And then it kind of came back after. Um, so there was a time where I would go into class and I remember there was this like little stand by my 8am class and it had bagels and coffee and I would get a coffee with cream and sugar and a bagel with like cream cheese, regular cream cheese. And I would walk into class and eat it almost every day that I had that class. And I felt like I was a freak because I felt like people in the class were staring at me, you know, kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? This is nutrition. And (laughs) so, yeah, I think it's like, I think that's one of the scary parts of those curriculums. And I mean, of course we need to know about nutrition. It's important. Obviously we need to know things about food and whatever, but that is scary because it almost like teaches you how to weigh. I remember we did a whole lab on that too, like portion sizing. So counting almonds is not really seen as a weird thing. It's almost seen as like, Oh good. You're doing good. You're doing good. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all about living 
in your intention. So if you're doing that, like I knew dietitians who were studying and they were completely healthy. They had completely healthy relationships with food, but just living in your intention and really making sure that you have a purpose behind everything that you do. So um, if you're doing something and it's coming from a, an intention that is harmful, just analyzing that and being like, this is coming from a bad place. Like I might be, I might, my intention might be good for the messed up thing that I'm trying to do, but um, you know, just coming from a really healthy, really loving and caring intention is what I've definitely learned from that switch in major. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely identify with that. And I'm glad that you, I mean, I'm really glad that you discovered that before you ended up graduating and, you know, you got something that, that you are doing with it now. That's, that's really, that's good. Totally. So, and now my job, is, my job is wonderful now. Like I, I feel so freed um, because I, I absolutely love my job. Like I've had jobs in the past that I just dreaded going to, but for now, like what I do now is I work at a ski resort in Colorado um, but I am the resident naturalist there. So basically people come and they stay at our hotel and I'm a hiking guide. So I'll take them out and I'll take them on hikes. I'll teach them about Colorado animals, Colorado wildlife. Um, I'll teach them yoga on the mountain. Uh, I'll teach them art classes. So it's just a really, really wonderful job. And I'm so glad that I found it. That's amazing. How did you end up in Colorado and how did you end up with that job? Do you, have you always been in Colorado? So I grew up in Michigan. I was born and raised in Michigan. And I went to college in Michigan. And then the, the year after I graduated, I stayed in Michigan. And I had this point where I was really, really, really just so depressed. I didn't want to go into work. I didn't want to do anything. I, I was binge eating like crazy. My eating disorder was out of control. And so I woke up one day and I said, I just need a change. So I applied to this job on the Big Island of Hawaii. And... I had a couple interviews and I got it. So this job was wilderness therapy. So for those that don't know what wilderness therapy is, it's basically like a treatment center for teens and young adults. And they struggle with things like depression, anxiety, um, eating disorders, ironically, uh, suicidal ideation. It's, it's basically like a hospitalization program, but it's out in the jungle in Hawaii. So I got that job. I went there and, it was difficult at first because I think I was looking for a way to feel like I wasn't alone. So in a, in a funny way, I was really, really struggling myself, but I've always been great at putting on that smile, you know, making myself seem like the all American perfect girl, you know, everything's great. What? Yeah. Um, and then I get there and I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, just as struggling just as much as I am. And it was comforting in a way because, you know, I got to hang out with kids who are age 14 to 17 and they were depressed. They were anxious. They had PTSD. They had eating disorders. So um, I got to help them work through their issues uh, all in the comfort of the jungle. So we were growing our own food, cooking it, harvesting it. And I basically got paid to sit around and talk to kids about their mental health. So that was an amazing wow. job. I Yeah. So I worked there for about a year. And then I went traveling a little bit. I traveled through South America and Central America. And then I was going to go back to Hawaii and continue working. And I saw this job online, this job in Colorado. And I thought, you know what, I'll just apply, see what happens. And within a few weeks, I was out here. 
So I've been out here for about a year now. Wow. So when you went to, when you started the job in Hawaii, you were still struggling yourself. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So do you think that, Um, I mean, I'm assuming that helped you as well or started to at least help you start healing yourself while helping other people heal? It did. My eating disorder, I think I was young. I was 22, I think. And it, it helped me feel less alone, but at that time I just didn't have the coping skills to really deal with recovering with an eating disorder by myself on an island in the middle of the ocean without any of my family, without any of my friends. Like I obviously met people on Hawaii, but I was so far away from my support network that my eating disorder ended up getting really bad. And I ended up having to quit that job because there were times where I was out in the jungle and I was struggling just as much as the kids, you know, like I was either not eating or like binge eating. And I just, I felt like I couldn't really help them if I wasn't in top shape myself. So I ended up quitting that job and I was just kind of working part-time jobs for a while. And I have this friend who was next to me and I ended up opening up to her about it. And she goes, you know, Dee, you're just in a rut. Like you just, you eat all day, you, you sleep all night. Like you just, you just need something else. Like you need something invigorating. And she goes, you just need to travel. Like go travel, get off the island, go right now. And <laughs> I was just kind of inspired by that. By that, I thought it was a little crazy because I was obviously sick and I was like, I can't travel when I'm struggling with this eating disorder. Um, but I, I started, it sparked a flame in me and I started looking up flights and I found this flight that was $90 to Colombia in South America. And I, it was about three in the morning. I was, I think I was drunk, honestly, I was drinking <laughs> wine by myself and I got drunk by myself and I was just like, you know what? Like, okay. Oh, sorry. I don't know. And I bought the ticket and so I, I went to her the next day and I was going to Colombia, you know? So I packed up all my stuff and I went to South America and I was there for about three, in between three and four months, just kind of traveling around and seeing the globe. And there were moments when I was traveling when I was really good and I felt like recovery was on my side. And there were moments where I was really struggling, you know, I was, I was, binging and purging on foreign food and it was just really dark um so well I think that's, that's amazing I mean that's an amazing story though that you were I mean I've thought about it a million times like all right I'm going to wherever and I just need to there's I know that nature you said that nature like really helps you and I'm the same way so I always like I actually was like wanting to go to Colorado I was just talking to my husband about this the other day I was like I need to go to Colorado for a week and be in a hut by myself <laughs> and so I think yeah. that you're actually doing that is is amazing because I mean of course just traveling to Columbia from Hawaii won't necessarily solve the whole issue because there's so many issues behind the issue but mm-hmm. it definitely like you taking that step is is amazing because it definitely starts the process going or like at least learns for me it was trying to relearn things I don't know if you felt like that but I kind of felt like I had to relearn how to be a normal human being in the world <laughs> because I hadn't been for so totally. long or like there yeah. were so many things that I hadn't been doing or enjoying for however many years that it was like 
I don't know. It's just so it's, it's a really bad process, but it's also a really amazing process too. I think because you learn so many things and yeah, like I said, I just felt like I had to kind of like put myself back in society because I felt like I had been out of it for so long. Yeah. It's, I like to call it unlearning, you know, you get in these destructive patterns and you start to normalize them. Like for me, there was a point where like bringing up my food was just as normal as, you know, breathing. Like it was like, Oh, I'm eating. Well, I have to bring it up, you know, like it's, and that becomes normalized. Like that builds those neural pathways in your brain. And so it's kind of just like walking along a trodden path. It's just getting more and more um, normalized. And so when you start recovery, it's like you're a baby again. <laughs> like you have to learn like, okay, this is a sandwich. Like I'm going to eat this and then I'm going to digest it. And then I'm going to expel it, you know? And yeah. for so many people, it's, it's like so simple, like just eat. But for in recovery, it's like, it's like you're a toddler and you're learning a foreign language. And so I think traveling, like it was almost like I wanted to reflect that when I was traveling, I, I was like, well, I'm going to start recovery. So I'm going to go into a foreign place and I'm just going to, you know, I don't know the language and I don't know the people and I don't know the food. So it was, it was almost like a mirror for recovery. Yeah. Was that, was it hard to be by yourself there? Do you think it was helpful to be by yourself for a little while? Um, it was honestly exhilarating for me just because I had been stuck in that rut for so long of just, you know, being at home, eating by myself, being miserable, being depressed, you know, not wanting to be alive. And um, I was in this beautiful place that Hawaii, yet um, there were times where I felt guilty because I was so sad and I was in this beautiful place and I was just stuck in this bad rut. And so when my good friend, she was like, just go, just leave. It was, it was exhilarating. It was enticing. And so there was, I think for like the first month, I didn't even have any eating disorder symptoms. It was, everything was just so new and so stimulating. And then after that month ended and I was moving into month two, things were a little more familiar. And so I kind of sunk back into my own head and um, relapsed a little bit. But I think that's totally, totally normal too in this kind of path because I mean, I haven't heard anyone that recovered or is recovering ever say that, you know, they just kind of looked the other way and never went back. It's almost impossible. And I actually have an episode coming out tomorrow about that, that I just did myself about kind of like how to deal with it in life forever. Because I don't, like you said in the beginning, I don't really think that it's, I've heard people say, oh, you can't fully recover. And I don't really agree with that. But I think that there's no way to not have negative thoughts about yourself. Even, I mean, even people that don't have disordered eating or anything still have negative thoughts. Um, So it's kind of like relearning how to deal with the negative thoughts. But I, I don't know. I just think that's so common, but it also can feel so like you're alone or doing something wrong when you're recovering and you feel like you are relapsing. Yeah. It's a very, it's intricate. There are these people that say, oh, you're going to make mistakes in recovery. You're going to relapse. And it's okay. Just forgive yourself. But at the same time, you can kind of justify that. Like for me, I would be, you know, two weeks symptom-free and then something would happen and I would get sad and I would binge and purge and then 
I would say, oh, well, it's fine because, you know, things like this happen in recovery and, you know, justify it. And, oh, I'm just going to give myself a break. And then you're, you're back into that mindset of like, okay, just one more time, you know. And, and for me, it always happened that way. Um, I would just, I would just like, you know, continue the cycle after I let myself do it once. So it's right. difficult. It is. It's like a, it's a very, it's like a, a scale, you know, you don't want to tip it one way or the other. It is difficult. How do you think that, so I know, like I said before, I think people can fully recover, but at the same time, I feel like we always have things that we're going to have to deal with forever. So what do you think, like, how did you change from, try, you know, trying to like in that middle ground of maybe relapsing or trying to make an excuse for it or whatever it is um, to kind of like, I guess, fully recovered or at least the best that you could, the best that you can be. What, how did that right. shift for you? Um, for me, honestly, moving to a place, and I don't want to say that like moving is the solution because it's definitely not, you know, I've traveled and I've moved places and my eating disorder came right back. Um, but for me, I think moving to a place where I felt accepted and loved and like everybody around me really had the same intentions. You know, everybody in Colorado where I live, they're all about nature. They're all about healthy lifestyle. They're all about activity and well-being. And where I was from in Michigan, it wasn't like that. You know, everybody was about, you know, partying and drinking and whatever. And so I, when I moved here, I started finding things that I, I really loved, like hiking. You know, I, I just fell in love with hiking. I fell in love with the nature and the mountains. I had never seen mountains before I came to Colorado like this. You know, I'd never been in the Rockies. And to just be able to step outside my doorstep and even right outside my back door, there are these beautiful trails that go up into the mountains, completely blue skies, vibrant green grass. It's just, it's so healing to me to just be able to go outside and connect with the nature. And I know that sounds cliche, you know, connect, connect with nature. I feel so connected, but I do. And I can exercise too. Like exercise has been a huge component for my recovery as well. And the combination of exercising and then being outside. So like trail running or like even just going and doing some squats outside. It's that combination is, is more addictive to me than the binging and purging. Yeah. And did you have any issues with exercise during the kind of like during your struggles? Or was it just... I did. You did. Okay. Because I, I mean, and that's very, very common too. And I did as well. So I kind of had to learn like you a new way to exercise that was beneficial for me, like mentally, not just going to a gym and literally running back and forth on a treadmill um, just for because I needed to burn off whatever amount of calories, but hiking or walking outside. I mean, that's what I really wanted to talk to you about today too, because you're from, that was so healing for you. And it was so healing for me too. And I'm really jealous of your, of your job now. Um, <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit more about, about your job and about how, I mean, I can't even put into words how healing I felt nature was for me. And I was never like that before like you said I, I mean I grew up in New Hampshire they really yes there is nature but for most of the time of the year it's freezing cold and I never paid attention to that stuff before um 
and especially when I was struggling with eating disorder, I didn't pay attention to anything except for my thoughts in my head. So I wasn't like, oh, these trees are so beautiful. But now I find myself all the time just feeling like noticing things like that around me is so grounding and healing. So I, wa- I did want to get into that a little bit more with you because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I remember the moment that I really felt deeply connected to nature. And I was actually still living in Michigan. It was right after I graduated college and I was working in Northern Michigan and I met some friends. I was dating someone and he, he wanted to go backpacking. So like, all right, well, I'm down, you know, so we found another friend and the three of us, we took a long weekend and we drove down to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee in North Carolina. Um, and I had never been on a multiple day backpacking trip like that. I think it was like four or five days that we went and we were, you know, if there was, it was just a conglomerate of crazy weather. Like there was rain there, it was cold. It was hot. It was, you know, like nature was just messing with us. Um, and so mentally I was kind of like, you know, being broken down a bit because I had these blisters on my feet and we were walking eight miles a day and, you know, I was pretty out of shape at that time because I was binging like no other. You know, I gained, I don't know, like 20 pounds in two months, something crazy like that. And so I was pretty out of shape. And I was just, I remember this day I was fed up and I was just ready to stop. And, you know, he, my boyfriend, he goes, look, there's our campsite. And I turn around and it's just this wide open green field and you know the sun is shining and there's butterflies everywhere like these monarch butterflies there's different kinds of butterflies just it looked like a butterfly house and I just stopped and all of the butterflies were just flying around the meadow (laughs) stopping on the flowers and it's almost like time stood still I was like I got the chills you know it I had never really gotten the chills from nature before and everything that I had been going through previously it just all washed away and I just got teary-eyed and there was this river flowing alongside and there were these big rocks and so we all just took off all of our clothes and went in the ice cold river and then there was this one rock that was like a slide so um, we, we would like slide down the rock into the river and just go up and down and up and down and I truly felt like I was five years old again it was one of the most amazing days ever um, and you know that was the moment where I really felt like like nature, I forgot about everything. Like nature healed me of all of my issues that I had been struggling with on that trip. And I was just okay after that. Yeah. Cause it's um, almost like so you that, found genuine happiness. Yeah. Like I forgot that I was an adult that had issues. I was just like, let's go on this slide and you know, let's play. And the butterflies were like landing on my forehead and it was, just, it was insane. That's amazing. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of, oh, sorry, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I've been searching for moments like that ever since then. And here in Colorado, it's, you can find it so often. Like you can just drive down the road and park your car and go next to a stream and find scenarios like that. So that's why I love it here so much. Yeah. And that's why I want to go there so bad. I've never been there. But I really you want to me. I know. I'm coming. No, I really, really want to. I was just talking because um, I feel like, I don't know, when I think of nature, I think of Colorado. Or I think, like, when I think of mountains, because mountains, I didn't even know I liked mountains before, but now I 
really love them. Like I can't imagine myself living somewhere forever with that doesn't have mountains. But like I said before, I didn't even, I guess I just didn't really notice anything. So, I mean, I'm assuming that you felt kind of that same way too, just by what you've said that like when you were struggling, did you feel like you were held back from noticing nature or like feelings or, you know, things that were, I mean, how, how did you feel held back? You know? Oh gosh. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so even to this day, I don't really have many existing friendships from my younger years, from high school, from college, like all of my close friends, um, with the exception of a couple are people that I've met in Colorado. And I think that's because I was just so close off when I had my, when I was struggling with my eating disorder, you know, I had, I had these friends, but I only wanted them to see a certain part of me. Like I only wanted them to see the perfect part. And so, you know, I can remember nights where I was really struggling and my roommates would all be downstairs, you know, drinking and having fun and partying. And I was upstairs eating a sheet cake, you know, <laughs> like it's, and they would text me and they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, come downstairs. And I'd be like, I can't, I'm sick. And, you know, I'm upstairs eating a sheet cake or, you know, you know, it's, it's like, I missed out on so many experiences and so many bonding opportunities because of food. Like food was my boyfriend, you know, food was my, I like to say food was my abusive boyfriend. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It was like an abuser and that I can definitely yeah. like that too. Same with college. And especially like my first year of college was, I think I, there were some amazing people that I met, but I just didn't let myself open up to them. And the same thing, like they would all be out and I wouldn't be, I'd be binging in the, in the room. And it's just, you know, and of course I think it's not like I ever told them or opened up to them about it. I'm sure that they knew, I know that they knew now, like that there was an issue, but I didn't even, I guess I didn't even realize that there was an issue at that point. I just kind of like still in denial because it was so confusing. Right. But yeah, no, I, I, I can relate to that too as well. I feel like now I have a lot of friendships and I haven't felt like that in a very long time. Like I, I almost went years, I want to say, without having, I had friends that I had had from maybe like high school or college, but we didn't live near each other anymore. So we would just text each other once in a while, but I went like years without having connections with other people. And that's, so damaging too I think like that's something that I had to really work through besides the eating disorder because that's just I don't think I realized how much we need human connection totally and it's it's a dangerous cycle because you know you start you start having an eating disorder and then you lose your connections with your friends but then you you think oh I should go and like make more friends but then your eating disorder is like oh well I'm all you need, you know, like I'm here for you. Like your friends, you know, your friends might not be there for you. Like they might, you know, they might stab you in the back, but food, like I'm always here, you know? Right. And or they might get in the way of your relationship with me, food. Totally. Like going out to eat and stuff like that. I just never wanted to do it. I never wanted to be around any situations with food because I would just want to eat it all and I would be miserable, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so secretive. It's, that's what's also so, so scary. And that's why, I mean, that's even another reason I started this podcast because 
I just feel like in general, the mental health in our country, in our, in our world, actually, is just so taboo. Like it's just not talked about. And I mean, there's, I'm sure, you know, there's been so many suicides lately with, with celebrities and people. And it's just like, that just shows you over and over again, that it doesn't matter whatever image you're trying to, to make or whatever you have. Like if you don't have genuine happiness in your heart and you're not authentically happy, like it's, it's nothing. And for a long time I was trying to chase after things like that too, that were more like externally validating and it's just, it doesn't, it never works. So I think I went on a tangent there, but that's just like how, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so important and it's so important to talk about it because it can be so secretive. Like, you know, I think a lot of times people will think, oh, well, you know, she just doesn't like to go out or she just doesn't, she just likes to be at home by herself. But you know, and it's just scary because it can be like something serious. Having communities where a place that you can go or that's why I really love yoga studios and that's why I really love yoga is, is because it's a community that you can go and you don't necessarily have to talk and open up and be super vulnerable. Like you meet friends at yoga studios and you develop relationships, but you know, you're, you're in your own space, you're on your own mat, but you have all of these other people around you and you're all healing. Like you're all healing at the same time but you don't necessarily have to take, it's not like going to a therapist and saying, Oh, I'm so sad. You know, you know, cause for me doing therapy, that was almost more damaging than not doing therapy to be honest, because I was so closed. Like my heart was so closed that I could talk about anything and just feel completely numb. Like I wouldn't feel anything. I, I went through an experience of sexual assault in college and, you know, I, I went to a therapist and I talked about it and I literally felt nothing. Like, she's like, your face is so blank right now talking. About and I'm like, because I don't feel anything, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just, and so talking about it did nothing. And, but then when I would do yoga, I would get on my mat and be in pigeon pose or, you know, I love yin yoga because it really unlocks a lot of the stored energy in your body. And so five minutes into holding pigeon pose, I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out and I don't know why. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that helping younger kids or teenagers or even, you know, as young as five years old, get into yoga and start that practice early, it's going to teach them to be really conscious of their emotions, their feelings, and, you know, just body awareness, really. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's so common to hear too, that yoga helps because it's kind of like the only way when you're struggling to connect your mind and body at the same time, it kind of forces you to do that. And so like you said, that can force out a lot of pain that you don't even maybe know consciously that you have. And it just kind of comes flowing out during different poses. And it's so healing though, too. So did you start yoga? Um, like, had you been doing yoga before when you were struggling? Or did you just start it during recovery? Like, how was your how did you get? How did you get into yoga? So I got into yoga in college. I did my first yoga class when I was about 14. So I, like I said, I was a competitive athlete. So I was doing all sorts of different things to stay fit. Um, I had a personal trainer. I had a sports psychologist. Like, I had so many resources. And so they suggested that I take a yoga class. So I, I planted the seed when I was about 14. And then it kind of fell by the wayside for a while. And then once I got to college, and I was really struggling 
with my eating disorder, I decided to try a class and you know, I was so inflexible, I could barely touch my calves. And every time I sat in pretzel, my back would seize up. You know, I was just, I, my whole body was just very unhealthy, very tight. Um, and I hated it at first, you know, like when you're mm-hmm. trying to stretch and you see all these other people in their heads, they're touching their knees and you're like, oh, screw you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was just constantly comparing myself to other people and I, always looking in the mirror, you know, fixing my outfit, you know, oh, God, I look so fat right now, you know, criticizing myself, and, but I stuck with it, you know, the way that it made me feel, I just kept going every week, and eventually I got a, a work trade job there, worked for a couple hours a week at the studio, and then I got unlimited yoga, so oh, I was going, like, five days a week, and, you know, at, there was a certain point where I fell back into my eating disorder, and mm-hmm. I was using yoga unhealthily, like, Mm-hmm. I knew that I was exercising too much. I probably should just take a break. But um, I think overall, in the grand scheme of things, it was the thing that brought me out of struggling a lot of the time. Like, it was the thing that, you know, took me away from the world. And when you're on your mat, you're on your own mat. And I really love going to studios that don't have a mirror still to this day. Because when you don't have that distraction of looking at yourself in the mirror, you can really root into yourself and, you know, maintain that ujjayi breath and feel the energy just throw, flow throughout your body feel the oxygen just flow throughout your body and you can really dive deep into yourself mm-hmm. yeah I think that's I mean I can relate to that as well <laughs> going to yoga when I was struggling and even even you know when I had started recovery I think it was so different than it is for me now because like you said it can be a very dangerous environment as well as really healing because just like any other exercise studio or anything um you can compare yourself to other people and like you said oh maybe they're doing this pose better than me or this girl is wearing the perfect yoga outfit and she looks so good in her sports bra and I don't and you know and that's so common and it can be that just kind of gave me anxiety and it also gave me anxiety because like you I wasn't flexible um starting but for yeah I I can totally understand what you mean like at the end when you're just laying in shavasana you're like okay something good is is happening to me I do feel something good and just kind of like it's a process and I guess that's what I'm trying to say is you don't I don't want people to think that are struggling that they just go to one yoga class and it's like oh, like I'm totally fine. My mind is calm. I am like this Zen being now. It doesn't happen like that. It does take time, but it definitely, definitely is possible because I didn't think it would be possible for me and it, and I am there now. <laughs> yeah, I, I can remember this one class where I was so frustrated during the class that I just like huffed and puffed and I rolled up my mat and I just stomped out, you know, and I slammed the door. <laughs> I was just like, I was being a little brat, but I was just, you know, all yoga is not peaceful and zen, you know, like I, there were times where I was like, screw this, I hate this, you know, and just walk out of the class, drive home and just sit on the couch and pout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. but yeah, it is a process like anything, you know, you, you improve day by day. I'm still, I'm still struggling to get my handstand. I don't want to say struggling, actually. I want to say working towards because I've, it's been something that I've been working towards for a long time, ever since college. And it's just this block that I have. I don't know what it is. And it, I feel like it has 
to be emotional. It's some type of emotional block where I don't trust myself. And so I've been working on my handstand for years. And, you know, I've, I've read on Instagram people getting it in three months or, you know, people getting it in two weeks. And I get so mad. I'm like, no, that is not how it works. <laughs> yeah, but, that's really interesting um, that you say that, that you, it might be like an emotional blockage. Do you notice that with yoga? Like, do you, I mean, I'm sure you obviously are a yoga teacher. You know all about the chakras and stuff. And do you personally think that that can def- that can happen? Like maybe this pose isn't happening for you because this energy is blocked in this area? I mean, because that's really interesting. I've never even thought about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like, so I've done chakra readings before. And I've apparently, like my root chakra and my sacral chakra are just blocked like they're completely closed (laughs) and I did that about two years ago so I hope by now that they're open but there are certain poses that I just I cannot stand like I going into eagle pose like I want to punch somebody in the face (laughs) whenever the instructor is like Mm -hmm. go into eagle because just like no like it feels so wrong for me it feels awful I just it's just this energy that runs through my body and I just can't take it and um and I think it might be because, you know, you're crossing your legs and you're engaging your, your bandhas and your, um, your mula bandha. You're, you're engaging those sacral and those root chakras. And it just doesn't feel comfortable to me, you know? Like, right. And for people listening so, who don't know what the root chakras are, can you just give like a little explanation of, of what those are? Yeah. Yeah. So the chakras are energy centers in your body and um, basically – they can be more active or less active. So they, they relate to certain qualities in your personality or your lifestyle. Um, so the root chakra is, is all about grounding. It's all about feeling safe and secure in your own body. And for me, that it makes a lot of sense that it would be closed because with an eating disorder, it's all about, you know, you feel ungrounded, you feel unsafe, you're trying to feel better by this destructive habit. So, um, I think chakra opening and using yoga poses to open chakras is really beneficial, especially um, for the heart chakra. I, I love back bends because my heart chakra gets closed a lot, you know, I'm constantly opening it and then I'll get scared and I'll crawl back into my shell like a little snail. And so doing back bends really awakens your chest, really awakens your heart, makes you more available to connection. That is so interesting. I mean, I know all those things in that, you know, we learn that in yoga and I'm not a teacher, so I've never gone through the training, but I never thought about like, kind of, that's almost like your body telling you areas that you need to work on, not necessarily just your flexibility, but like you said, if maybe Eagle pose is like horrible for you and there's maybe there's like some reason or some issue that that is there some energy that is blocked and that's that's like an interesting way to look at it it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a I don't know it's like a sign to tell you what 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 is going on and maybe because you might not even know yeah it's like a thermostat it's like trying to tell you what to regulate (laughs) another pose that's super hard for me is frog I it's I I want to die in frog (laughs) frog is like a straddle with your legs out right like you're yeah 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 and that's you know that's opening up your hips that's fucking open your hips and you know just you know just it's so hard for me you know what I, mean? no, so I, know. I love <laughs> yin yoga 
I hear too, like, um, a lot of times in class, and I've read this before, that women especially tend to, like, hold a lot of emotions in their hips, which is why things, like you said before, pigeon can be so – I've heard before, too, people say that they, like, broke down crying in pigeon, and they didn't even know why, just because Mm -hmm. that's where we hold, like, so much emotion that we – don't let out exactly yeah it's really beneficial pose it is oh that's awesome so did you go through are you certified or did you go through the training for yoga I did yeah I did a yoga teacher training in Florida about a little over a year ago and it was really cool I met some amazing people um I would love to do another yoga teacher training in a different style just to get another perspective. Um, But right now I teach yoga. I mostly teach private classes here at our hotel. So if somebody wants to do like say they request a hike and then a yoga afterwards. So we'll, I'll either take them on a hike. We'll learn about the nature and then either go back to the hotel or we could do yoga on the mountain somewhere. Um, So it's really nice to to have those private classes you get that one-on-one interaction and you get to do adjustments and alignments which is if I if there's I recommend to anybody if there's ever a workshop on alignment or form definitely take it because I've been injured in yoga before because I just didn't know what I was doing so it's it's really important and I always stress to beginners in yoga you know don't try headstand right away like do not try headstand you know learn about it like gain your strength and then work up to it don't just do it for the ego because mm-hmm. i i cracked my neck really bad and i was out for like two weeks i think oh. because i had that ego and i'm gonna do a headstand yeah you know and i i went up in it and i my shoulders collapsed and my neck you know it, it cracked and i couldn't turn my head for two weeks so oh, no that's terrible i know yeah. i like to share that with people you know it's not about the ego it's not about the pose it's all about your journey it is and that's so easy to forget sometimes because my ego has gotten me a lot of injuries too <laughs> whether yeah. it be yoga or a crossfit or whatever I was doing at the time just the ego can be very very um de- detrimental in to your in just every way possible but yeah so I, that's something that I had to work on with yoga is like take the ego out of it and even now I still have to work on that so sometimes like if the teacher will be like, if you need, if you need to take child's pose, take child's pose. Don't do this vinyasa. And I'll, I still have to be like, okay, do I want to take child's pose? Am I just doing this because I feel like I have to do this? You know, and so it's still like a right. constant thing that I'm working, <laughs> that I work on. Yeah, it is a journey. It is a journey, and I am just so intrigued by your journey. I <laughs> just like your job <laughs> sounds so so amazing, and just so healing. And I'm sure that you've helped a lot of other people too. So I'm really, really happy that you started the Instagram account. Just another way yeah. to reach people. Cause yeah. And I always encourage people to send me questions and, you know, I've had people send me questions and they're young, young girls, you know, and they're 14 and they're, I'm struggling right now. I don't know how to tell my parents. And so I always, I always encourage people, you know, send me questions. Like I want to talk, I want to engage. I just don't, I don't want just followers. I don't want the number. I want that community because that's really what I needed when I was a kid is just that sense of belonging and that sense of support. And just knowing that you're not alone. Totally. It's so helpful. 
So on that note, where can people find you just to ask you questions? Yeah, so my Instagram is at recoveryogid with two E's, D-E-E. Um, you can find there, you can send me a message. Um, and I'm, I post stories a lot. I really love the story app because it's like getting a little snapshot into people's lives. But I love to watch stories um, so you can see my daily routines there. Yes, I love the stories too. I use the stories for like my everyday life. And I, I watch people's stories more than I even look at their, I don't really even scroll through Instagram anymore. I pretty much just look at stories because they're so much more real. They're like that real moment in time, not just the snapshot of, you know, a good looking picture. Absolutely. So yeah, I love the stories too. And I love your stories. And that's how I actually <laughs> found you is because I was looking at one of your Aww. stories about, um, I think you were talking about how to deal with weight gain and recovery and just having someone to, I mean, like you said, young girls or even not young girls, even older girls, just having someone to go to about that, that understands is so important because some people either can't get therapy, they can't get help. They don't want, they're scared. They don't want to. So being able to confidentially like message someone like you on Instagram and just talk about it is so helpful. So I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So I will link in the show notes, your contact information so that everyone listening can find you. And again, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I'm so excited that I found you and that we connected. And I think your story is amazing and inspiring. And I just appreciate everything that you're doing. Oh, well, I appreciate it too. And if you ever want to come out to Colorado, give me a holler. I do. If any of you <laughs> listeners ever want to come out to Colorado, I would love to hike with you. I do. I'm like literally planning out. I'm okay. I'm going to go to Colorado with her. We're going to go to the mountains. I'm going to do yoga. I'm coming Hi. to your like, <laughs> I'm going to be one of your, one of your tourists. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Yeah, about you're that. welcome. Cool. I appreciate you having of me. Of course.